0: And welcome to the podcast ministry of New Life Church in Springfield, Ohio. We hope that the transformative truths of God's Word impact, challenge, and bless you. Matthew chapter 6. Um, it's uh, it's right in the middle of the sermon, um, you know, the Sermon on the Mount. You've got the Beatitudes in chapter five, and then he goes through just uh, all this really, really important stuff. But I don't think that there's a chapter in the whole, you know, in, in the whole Bible that more clearly defines what the transition between the mindset of the Old Testament thinking and New Testament thinking is going to be like. You know what I mean? Probably not. Uh, so what I mean is that this chapter really, really quantifies um, a, a, a mindset switch. You know, the, the covenant, um, the dispensation uh, between the Old Testament and New Testament, you know, it all hinges on who Jesus is, right? That, that's what kind of switches Old Covenant to New Covenant. And uh, th- there's going to be some changes, some completion done. It's not going to change in the fact that, um, you know, the, all the old stuff is passed away and that that law doesn't count anymore, but it's going to uh, complete Everything that we've learned in the Old Testament, right? And it's going to change things. Um, it'll change the mindset of people. Jesus goes through a lot of stuff in this, you know, in, in chapter 5 before he gets into what we call the Lord's Prayer in uh, chapter 6. He talks about uh, being salt and light, which, you know, obviously that's a 10-week a, you know, series right there, Right? Um, he, he talks about how he has come to fulfill the Old Testament and, you know, the, and the prophets not to destroy what they've said, but to complete it and fulfill it. Um, then he goes on to say that uh, a murder is, begins in the heart. That's a heart issue. And then everybody starts to, to squirm a little bit. Because now he's getting into heart issues. And then, then he goes, he adultery is, is a heart issue. And so he he's starting to at first you know it was all good stuff. He's like, oh yeah, you yeah, know that's good. You know it's encouraging stuff. And then the net starts to kind of tighten. You know the noose starts to tighten. He starts to talk about these things um, that you could use loopholes for in the Old Testament, but we're now kind of just being restricted. People start to squirm a little bit. Uh, talks about going the second mile, and then people are like, what? That you know that's that's not you know. We like black and white. We like do and don't. Like, you know, what is the second mile stuff? We have to go a mile. We'll go a mile, and that's what we'll do, and it'll be over. But to volitionally go the second mile, that's a heart issue. That's, that, that's you know, volition. And he starts to teach these different things. He said, love your enemies. And then that's even... That, that, that's even more cringy you know, for people who, who just like the law and you know, they like to divide it the way they want to. And black and white, I can do this, I can't do that, I'm just going to live within these rules. But I don't really have to agree or really like or really, you know, it's just checking the boxes. So he's really, really um, zeroing in on the heart issues of people. Zeros in on the heart issues. Writer Tim Keller um, said something that kind of stuck with me. He said that prayer turns theology into an experience. Amen. I like that. Prayer turns theology into an experience. The Word of God says, Chapter six, verse starting verse five. And when you pray, somebody say when. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. Go to your room. And when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in a secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do. The heathen do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Verse 8 says, Therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you even ask. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you so much um, for teaching us how to pray, uh, for teaching us how to connect uh, to you, Lord. Um, we love you and we appreciate you, God. It's not, a, uh, it's not a drudgery, it's not just a duty, God, but it is a privilege, a, an expensive privilege that is afforded to us for free because of the blood of Jesus and because of your sacrifices. You made it possible for us to enter into the Holy of Holies because of the imputation of your righteousness, not because of what we did, not because we have earned access but because you have afforded it to us in your righteousness and holiness. We love you. Help us to uh, take advantage of it. In Jesus' name, <clears throat> amen. I heard this uh, saying uh, the other day. In short, God will either give us what we ask for or give us what we would have asked if we knew everything he knew. Okay? Like, you got to wrap your, your mind around that. God will either give us what we ask or what we would have asked if we knew everything that he knew. That's an important thing whenever we start to pray, when we begin to pray. Um, it's good to ask for things, you know, you know according to, you know, to the word of God, you know, biblical and godly things. It's good, it's good to bring our petitions before the Lord. But it's good to leave a little bit of an out because he knows things that we don't know. Have you ever uh, had, you know, a child, maybe your kid ask you for something that you knew was not going to be good? I wish that I had downloaded it and played it, but there was a whole bunch, like this whole uh, little YouTube video of all these kids asking for horrible things that would, you know, would really mess them up or whatever it was, Um, you know, that they, 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 they were crying because they didn't get what they wanted. You know, one kid. I I can't even remember all the different stuff, but he wanted to. You know, he he was crying because he wanted to eat something. You know, he wanted to eat you know a bug or something like that. Another one was crying because you know she had to take a bath. Crying because you know she you know she she had got into her diaper and was wanting to you know sample the contents, and she was mad. She was angry. She was crying about it. And, you know, just oh, yeah. See, God knows things that we don't know. And if you think that that is an extreme example, it is not. Think about your limited, finite knowledge in balance with the infinite knowledge of God. And then take that back to the audacity that we have to pray for things when we know that that's not in His Word or that's counter to His will for our lives according to the Scripture. But if we trust Him, He'll give us what we would ask for if we knew everything He knew. That's powerful. That's, that's what happens when you trust God in your prayer. Trust God with your life. The Word of God says in the very first verse there that, uh, and when you pray. And when you pray. I don't want to just quibble over words. However, that's a big deal. It really is. Um, that's, that, that's as a, and when you pray is a small difference. Uh, you know, It's a very small word whenever it's somebody with a prayer life. That's a big difference if you don't. If you have no prayer life, that's a huge deal, what I just said. And when you pray. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. I think it's important. Um, For some who don't spend time with God in diligent, consistent prayer, it is a huge deal that is said, and when you pray. We've got to pray, church. You have got. We we have got to have a prayer life, amen. A prayer. What is a prayer life? A prayer life is whenever we have a consistent, open line of communication, meaningful and purposeful with God. Two way communication. Now we we do hear. Sometimes it's good for us to just sit in silence and hear from the Word of God to hear what, you know what 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 the, the the Word of God would say as we read, but also to just sit there and ponder the things of God you know, that we have already know, that we've heard, because God can move in that way. One of the greatest attacks, Paul Washer said, one of the greatest attacks of the enemy is to make you busy, to make you hurried, to make you noisy, to make you distracted, to fill the people of God and the church. The church of God with so much noise and activity that there is no room for prayer. There is no room for being alone with God. There is no room for silence, and there is no room for meditation. If God can do, or if the enemy can do that in our lives, uh, He can isolate us. He can he can um, um, disconnect us from the very source. And honestly, that's a choice that we have to make. Um, you know, and especially to the new believers, I encourage you develop a prayer life. If you have to miss things in your life, miss things of the flesh. Weigh them in the scales of eternity and say, is it more important that I should miss my time alone with God or if I should miss this thing? Is it more important that, uh, that, that, that I miss uh, you know, diligent and devoted time hearing from God and communicating with God in my life or, or, or should I catch um, you know, episode six? Is it more important that I make time at the beginning of my day uh, for my workouts Or for my communication with God? Is it more important that I miss this meal? We need to have a scale that represents eternity accurately. We really do. You know this. This Wednesday, I felt I just felt the Lord um, you know, just call us to a season of prayer as a church, because you know, even as a spirit filled church, that, that, that seeks to be very sensitive and to follow after the Holy Spirit as He moves. Um, sometimes it can just it can be just as rote um, in a lively church as it can in a dead. If we lose the ability to stop what we're doing and to hear from God, to be diverted in the things that that, that we have planned uh, for God. We have to be 16 of nothing. We prayed central. So on Wednesday, I didn't preach. I didn't do Bible study. I didn't do part 16 of nothing. We prayed. We heard from God and we spoke to God and, and, and we, we just kind of put him back you know, at the very center. If we, if we don't have a prayer life as a church, um, it doesn't matter how many visitors we have. It doesn't matter how good the worship sings. It doesn't matter if the, if the sermon is on point. It doesn't matter how beautiful the facility is. If we're not hearing from God, if we don't have a real and legitimate connection, a live wire connection to God, it doesn't matter. Because nothing can be sustained without being connected to God. Amen? It's important. Now first of all, he said, he teaches us how not to pray, and that's important too. He teaches us how not to pray. There was a minister um, you know, who, I, uh, you know, who I really, really like now more than I used to His his ministry, his preaching, because um, he, I guess you know, at that season in life he was just so fed up with the, the religiosity and the negativity and you know, the hypocrisy in these certain movements um, that that's what every sermon was about. That's what every message was about. And so finally I just was like, dude, I'm not listening anymore because you can't build a life-giving message and theology based on what everybody else does wrong. Okay? It's good to point that out and to point out heresy or problems or issues, but you can't do that forever. Like, you can't grow eating only that, right? Let me meddle. If your version of being Christian or being religious is basically pointing out what everybody else does wrong, and that's the fullness of your experience. That is less than useless. You need to have the words of truth and life and love in your mouth. Yeah, we don't want to fall into you know, heretical doctrine. We don't want to uh, and, you know, act you know, in a hypocritical way. And you know, a lot of people, I know a lot of people do it wrong in churches full of you know, whatever, that, fine, Whatever. But let's have something there's a whole lot of good in the Bible there's a whole lot of good in God and he has died he sent his only begotten son to save us let's talk about the good stuff let's not just have a ministry of discouragement for everybody and whenever people see you come and just be oh who's he going to lambast who's who's he just going to mock who's he? you know and every time that you, that you every facebook post that you put out there is just you know giving somebody else down the road speak life man you don't have to fall into false doctrine or false teaching. You don't have to do that. That's fine. And yeah, whenever it comes to you, you confront it and overcome that. But you cannot build a life giving ministry or have a life giving walk with God based on everybody else's mistakes. Worry about what God told you to do right more than what your brother's doing wrong. Amen. That's true. However, the Word of God does start out, and he says, don't don't be like the hypocrites who stand. And and we're going into the Lord's Prayer here, obviously, and I really wanted to do this especially for our our newer believers. See, rightly divided, the Bible doesn't say not to pray standing up or in the sanctuary or on the street corner. Because that's what the Bible says. So he's like, "Do not," you know, and if you don't divide it rightly, that's what it seems like. He says, "Don't pray standing up, and don't you know, in, in, you know, out on the street corner in front of people, don't do that." But there's an addendum to that sentence. He says, "So that you may be seen by men." So what he's actually saying is, "Yeah, pray in the sanctuary." Pray that you know men can see you that's fine pray in the street corner you know pray pray everywhere but don't do it for the motivation of having been seen by men and having your spirituality on display Amen uh, whenever we pray, uh, it should be humbly, it should be, uh, every time we pray you know, in church or, or have a move of God, uh, everything should be pointed to Christ, to Christ, to Christ, to Christ. Everything points to Christ. Uh, I, I don't want to be distracting in the things that I do. Uh, I, I didn't come here uh, to be seen of men. I didn't come here uh, you know, for, for, for any demonstration that would put the attention on me. And the Holy Spirit didn't either. Hello? The Holy Spirit's very interesting when you, you study into the doctrine you know, of pneumatology and, and, and who the Holy Spirit is and what he came for. Uh, you know why we call him Holy Spirit? Yes. But he, he, you know, we say Holy Spirit. He didn't come to, uh, we, we don't have, you know, God the Father, what, what's his, Steve, what's God the Father's name as close as, you know, His name. We have a Yahweh. That, that, that's, that's the name. You know, that's the that's the Tetragrammaton. You know, I set you up for failure. There's, there's like nine thousand names. So either you could have been all right, or you know, <laughs> yeah. Technically, anything you would have said would have been just about right. So Yahweh. That that's kind of the Old Testament. That's that's you know what what you know the name of God. That's important. Now, what's the Son's name? Jesus, Yeshua, yeah, Emmanuel. Right. Got a billion of those too. What's the Holy Spirit's name? I know he's the spirit of truth, but what's his name? He does that, too. What's his name, though? Now I'm not going to get super, super deep into theology here, but I will say this, that uh, whenever the Holy Spirit came, he came not to be spoken of, but to point toward Christ, the Word of God teaches us. It's very interesting. He, he, he didn't come uh, to, be, you know, to, to put on a big show. Now, whenever he works and does stuff, you can't help but notice, right? Whenever, whenever the Holy Spirit really begins to move and to change things, uh, somebody will get healed, and you're going to notice. But, but it is the intention of the Holy Spirit to always point toward Christ. Amen? And so when, in our demonstrations, in our walk with the Holy Spirit, everything that we do needs to point people toward Christ. Amen? Amen? Whenever, whenever he moves, whether it's in, in, in the, the gifts, you know, a gift of prophecy or in the gift of tongues and interpretation, everything that we do is, is, not, is not a sideshow. It all points toward Christ and Christ's will, Christ's plan, Jesus' plan, and, and that is for the lost. Amen. For the edification of the church. Why does the church need to be edified? Because we've got a job to do. We've got to operate in power and authority. And we have to present ourselves without spot or wrinkle when he comes back. Amen. So it's very, very important because the Holy Spirit is so powerful and incredible, you know, and, and you know, like fire. And, you know, it's, it's amazing whenever the Holy Spirit begins to work that it's so bombastic and incredible. But at the same time, the, the, the Holy Spirit is, is, is very meek and always trying to put the attention away from himself and onto Christ and to reveal God, to reveal the, the person of Jesus Christ and his, his plan. Amen? It's important. Everything we do as a church should point to Christ. If we have a fellowship meal, it is to follow the lifestyle pattern of Scripture to honor Christ as we break bread together. You know that? He said, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Oh, there's a thousand Scriptures we can give to you. Forsake not you know, the gathering together of yourselves together. Whenever we break bread, which is apparently like most I mean, there's so many instances in the New Testament about breaking bread together or eating together. All they did, it seemed like, was was pray, have church, and eat together. It was was a communal thing. It really was. It was a powerful thing. That's why, you know, it's a lot of why that we do a monthly, you know, time of fellowship together. It's a time, uh, you know, to connect and to honestly uh, live out the Word of God. When we pray, it should honor God. When we preached, it should honor God. When we testify, it should honor God, not the enemy. I feel like I should not have to say this, but I do. Whenever we testify, glorify God. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Ben, glorify God. Andrew, it's, it, we, we, don't glorify the enemy, yeah. which happens more often than, than you would think. And sometimes I'm up here just squirming. And I'm like, I am this close to shutting this bad boy down if you don't stop glorifying the enemy over all the horrible things going on. And then at the very end, have this little half-hearted dinner, but God's in control. Yeah. And I'm just like so discouraged by the end of it. Yeah. Everyone's evil. People are mean. And I understand that's more of a prayer request. Save that prayer request time. But whenever you stand up to testify and glorify God, glorify God. We should leave there saying, you know what? God's in control. By the time you sit down, we'll be like, all right. I guess he is a miracle working father. I guess he is all powerful. I guess he is all knowing. I guess he is a good God. Thanks for reminding me. I guess that there's nothing that we walk through that he hasn't already seen. I guess he knows the way that I take. And I guess his thoughts for me and toward me are good. That's what you ought to feel. Wow, wow, God really took you through that thing. I guess if that ever happened to me, I know one instance where God came through. That's how we should testify. I'm, ser- I'm serious. I've been in some services where it was just, you know, like but in the end, you would think we were losing this thing by the time they've done testifying. When we testify, it should honor God. Amen. Amen. Go on to verse 8. Verse 8, therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things that you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray. And so we're almost into the, uh, uh, the first part of you know, the prayer that Christ teaches, the Lord's Prayer. Therefore, don't be like them. Don't be like the hypocrites who stand there and they, they want to just be seen. Um, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray. And this is an interesting scripture. To me, and I, I think that it's important that we look at it, because I feel like I have a pretty mature grasp on Scripture and on you know, on my prayer life, and certainly more mature than somebody who's you know just a brand new beginner. And this kind of kind of confuses me at times. Like whenever, a, well, it's kind of complicated. I tried to write it out as best I could. We'll see what happens. Usually, when I tell my wife, I know. I'm inferring that I don't need her to keep telling me about it. I'm not being disrespectful. Whenever she says, I know, isn't that normally like so stop talking, (laughs) right? Okay, that's you know, I got you. We're we're good. Yep, no, I know. You know, if you know, hey, hey, we're out of milk. Oh, yeah, I know. Which means it's on the list, and I'm gonna do it, I got it. We got this. No problem, no disrespect. I'm not being mean. I may be later, but right now I'm really not trying to be. I'm just trying to focus into this. I'm saying that's what it feels like whenever he says, uh, He knows exactly what you have need of before you ever say it, Uh, but pray. And you're like, Oh, well, you already know. Yeah, I know. Pray anyway. It's an interesting thing because we we naturally slip into that. We think, you know, well, God knows, He is aware of the things that are going on in my life, and so that's great. You know, He knows, and He loves me, and He's good. So, uh, and God's like, yeah, I know, I know, but uh, pray. Pray. Don't stop praying just because you think or because you know that I am aware of it. Um, That doesn't take you off the hook uh, for having a prayer life and bringing these things before God because your prayer matters. You need to understand this because th- there's a whole line of thought that I have to kind of uh, uh, rebuke here, a false gospel, a false way of looking at things, and it's called deism. Somebody say deism. Deism. Uh, basically, the best way to explain that in like 15 seconds is, uh, you, ever, you ever spin a top, okay, and then just spins for a little while until it's done? Okay, a deist believes that's basically what's going on theologically. God created everything, you know, he set it in motion, spun it in motion, you spin the top, and then just step back and just let it spin. Okay, deists uh, believe that God doesn't really, uh, you know, have a, a big role in things like, you know, it's going to be what it's going to be no matter what. And, you know, he, j- he created everything. He does exist, but he just kind of stepped back from the situation and is going to let it all play out. So just enjoy it. Do your best. Prayer doesn't really matter that much. Um, things don't really change because, you know, he has a divine order and he set it going and it's done. Several of the founding fathers were deists. They believed in God. They believed in creation. But they didn't believe um, that that God really um, messed with us very much. He just kind of stepped back and let it play out. And then at the end of time, he'll sort them all out then. That is not scriptural. Amen. Sometimes we can come into agreement with doctrines we didn't even know exist by the very way that we act, though. What did I just say there? I said that you can spiritually come into agreement with doctrines that are false that you would never espouse verbally, but you're living that. You're living that way. Um, Some of you are living that way. You're living as a deist because whenever something happens, you don't go to God in prayer. You go everywhere but to God. You, 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 you call your husband or your wife about it. You complain at work. You do this. You, do, you literally go everywhere except for to God in humble, concerted, powerful, anointed prayer. That is the one place that some of you do not go. And so I know that you would never say that. You would say, no, I'm, a, I'm the, theologically like that. I would never. I know you wouldn't espouse it, but you're living it out. What's your go-to? What's your go-to whenever you lose control? Are you really seeking God in prayer? And if you're not, then how do you expect me to believe that you believe he can do things or that he will manifest himself, that he will actually move on your behalf? Because honestly, if you really do believe and are convinced that God does govern in the affairs of men, that he does answer prayer, that he does move on the behalf of his people, if you're really and truly deep down in your soul convinced of that, then I, you're going to pray. Pray. So, yeah, deep down inside, it is a theological problem. You really, uh, some place, you know, some dark place in your heart, or you know, n- not, not nasty and dark and wicked and evil, but just some uh, you know, n- kind of shady place in your heart where the, you don't shine the light on a lot, your theology is that God's not really going to move. It already is what it's going to be. He's going to have his will. He's going to do what he's going to do, and it will be what it will be. And so I just got to hunker down and hope for the best. I know I'm stepping on some toes. Because if you didn't believe that, if you didn't hold those views, you would pray. And you don't. I love being the the preacher because I don't know if you're praying or not. I'm not in your secret place. You'd be praying and fasting and seeking God and weeping and crying. I, I don't know one person from the other. I'm just saying. God didn't give me this message for no reason. i tell you that much. Somebody ain't praying. Amen. Christ does not teach us to be deists. That's an interesting little thing that he says that he says, uh, says, your father already knows the things that you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, pray. Because for a second, you could almost see, like, you know, the disciples, the people sitting back and be like, Oh, yeah, he already knows. Awesome, awesome. So I don't have to say and say, No, pray. Seek God. Humble yourself before him. Hear from him. Speak to him. Communicate with him. You've got to pray, church. My friend, you want to get closer to God. You want to stay close to God. You want, to, you want his will to be manifest in your life. You want to be an overcomer. You've got to pray. You've got to seek God. Amen. See, prayer isn't primarily about our needs. So if you are making it primarily about your needs, I think I know why your prayers are not having the effect you want them to. And this is where it gets tricky. This is, this is, this is where I want to focus. Hey Amen, we're doing good. <clears throat> okay, Especially you know, for, for, the, for the young believers, whether you've been saved five years, two years, three years, six months, ten weeks, um, th- this is some important stuff. I'm going to give you some important stuff right here. Honestly, I'm going to give you the keys to unlock the kingdom in a big way because you've decided to to be saved, you have have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, but now I'm going to unlock some stuff for you. Your will be done. That is a powerful, powerful sentence. Your will be done. He says, our Father in heaven, Hallowed be our, your name. That means your name is holy. I come before you and you are holy. You're, you're hallowed. That means, that, that, that means you are great. You, you, are, you are not my bro. You are God. And while I do love and I preach that intimacy, you know, that we should have that comfort because he is a father, don't lose the hallowed part because you'll begin to break down The holiness of God in your own life. Your own own understanding of his holiness. When God says something, it's not a suggestion from a bro. It is a command. It is truth. From a holy God who is above us in all his ways. Who we are in ourselves unworthy to even stand in his presence. But for the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallowed be your center, and you know, we, we need are you. Let me bring myself back to St. Brad said. Sometimes we can get a little left of center, and you know, we we need to we, we need to lean into what God has for us, and let Him you know, through the worship and the Word and that teaching, the washing of the Word to put us back on center. Here's a real good way for you to get back on center. Jesus is not your homeboy. He is the Savior. He is the King. He is holy. God is holy and hallowed be your name. We honor you, God. You're not a byword. You're not a curse word. You're not a tagline. You're God. You're the king of the universe. And we bow before you in humble adoration because you are God. And we humble ourselves before you. Amen. Hallowed be your name. Verse 10 says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that is as far as I'm going today. Like, we're not going to go all the way through. and Maybe next week we'll go through the rest of it. But that's the, uh, that's kind of, I'm going to preach in a second, but uh, that's as far as we're going in the word. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done. And here's the deal. Newbies especially, I love you guys. And I'm going to do you a favor. If you can get a hold of this, the whole kingdom is open up to you. Your will be done. If you can honestly pray this, and and, what am I talking about, new people, old people too, elderly, seasoned, wise people, people who've been in this way a long time, you need to get it too. If you can honestly pray, your will be done. Demons will flee. You will walk in faith, power, and purpose. I promise you that if you can get this one thing right. Your will be done. See, but here's the deal. You don't, un- you don't understand what this would cost you to say your will be done and mean it. That is a loaded statement. That is a... Lo- that, that, that comes... That packs a punch. Your will be done. In my life? In everything? And everything to really be able to say that, I'm telling you, Uh, Jesus fasted for forty days. Remember, and Jesus is Jesus, right? Jesus fasted for forty days to be able to say this. And you think you're going to just say it, you know, just just on the fly and mean it? No. Jesus had to weaken his flesh. He had to fast. He had to seek God. I'm telling you, the very Son of God, Jesus Christ, the perfect Lamb of God. I'm talking that Jesus. yeah, Not Jesus down the street. I'm talking about the Jesus. Jesus had an all-night prayer meeting and prayed until he bled so he could say this. Are you kidding me? It's a big deal to say your will be done. That's the big, I mean, that's a huge, huge thing. I'm telling you, uh, it, Jesus, the real Jesus, he prayed until he sweat great drops of blood. And, and he humbled himself and he wept and he cried and he begged and he squirmed a little bit. And he said, in two different times at least, he said, Father, um, can, can, can your will not be this? Can, you know, can, it pass, can, the, can this cup pass from me? And then in the very end, he says, you know, uh, can this hour pass for me? I'll do your will, but maybe can can it be a little later? Do you have any idea what it costs the very Son of God, the perfect one, the Lamb of God, to say, Not my will, but yours be done. And you think we can say that whimsically? You think that we can say that and it not cost us? When Jesus said that, it cost. Cost him a cross. A crucifixion. When he said it and meant it, it led places that his flesh didn't want to go. I told you it packed a punch, and I wasn't playing around. Some of you guys are thinking, man, you know what? I guess if I really, really said it, who knows where to take me? Darian, if you say your will be done and you actually have the guts and the courage to truly mean it, you better be ready, man. I believe you do. Make up the decision. And guys, if you, if you really have the, have the wherewithal, that if you make up the decision in your heart, if you purpose within yourself, not my will, but yours be done, That is the most life-altering statement that you can make short of, I'm a sinner and I repent, save me by the blood and by your grace. For you to say, not my will in my life, but yours be done. That means setting aside your grudges, your preferences, your hopes and your dreams, your comfort. And the rights to make the choices that you want to make. That single sentence can make your life no longer about you, but about him. And that is a big transition. Not my will, but your will be done. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. To what degree, I wonder, my friend... Are you willing to pray that prayer? The Lord's Prayer. See, Jesus prayed it, and look what it cost him. He backed it up. When Jesus said, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. You know what happened in Gethsemane? God the Father Called that in. You ever have somebody call in a favor on you? Yeah. Say, hey, you know that one time when I could, could you help me? Oh, yeah, yeah, I got you, I got you. Or sometimes you make a boast and somebody calls you on it. Like Dieter saying she can beat me in basketball and getting, getting schooled. Sometimes that happens, you know, whenever you do that. Hey, focus. Sometimes people call it in. Sometimes you've got to back it up. You back up all that talk. Amen. But back to spiritual things. Whenever you say your kingdom come and your will be done, I promise you, my friend, God will call that in. And there will be moments in your life where you'll be reminded because you'll want to slip back into that thing. You'll want to start doing that. You'll, you'll want to go to those same old places or you'll want to look at things the way that you used to. you want to slide back into habits. And then that sweet voice of the Holy Spirit that we were talking about earlier, he'll say, <clears throat> I believe you said his kingdom, his will, not your own. You'll be like, ooh, did I mean that? Did I really mean that? It's a big deal. I'm just, I'm not saying, I'm just saying. It's a big deal to pray the Lord's Prayer. Because at the very beginning, before you get through the first stanza, you have got to redefine everything in your life priority system. And you have to say, not my will. Yours be done. sometimes that will lead us into places that we know are going to hurt and know are going to be stretching and difficult. Whenever you love somebody who is not right with God and not where they should be, you're basically signing up for hurt. I'm ready to get hurt again. That's the attitude you kind of got to have going into some of these things. You've got to love, you've you've got to do right no matter what anybody else does. All I'm saying is that's a big deal. If you can actually pray the Lord's Prayer, And so over the next week at least, maybe more, here's my prayer for you. I pray that we can all say this together and mean it because a lot of times I'll have altar calls. I'm not going to have an altar call today because you've got to go out of here and decide whether or not you're going to be able to say this. I'm going to pray over you, but I don't really care what you do in the altars here on this particular issue. I care whether or not you get out and under temptation and you remember the words of the Lord's Prayer and you say, you know, I meant it. Not my will, but your will be done. Are you ready? Are you ready to face those things in the world? There's tests and there's trials and your own selfish desires and some of your own good desires, but they're all subservient to the will of God.